Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, Episode 162, Connect During Social Isolation. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be your host today. On this podcast, we bring in the experts, scientists, engineers, astronauts, all to let you know what's going on in the world of human spaceflight, and today, even our own lives. 2020 has been a crazy year with the COVID-19 pandemic. Many of us are affected by it and how we live and work now every day. It's very difficult to go out or to do things or to see people. I know for me personally, I haven't seen my friends or family in, well, what seems like forever now. This is a very similar story to astronauts. They describe life away from family for long periods of time during space station expeditions. Of course, they miss their families, but they seem to always make note of keeping in regular contact with them. Keeping remote connection with others from the International Space Station can be a form of a countermeasure or a preventative measure from feeling isolated so astronauts can maximize their performance and get all kinds of science and spacewalking and maintenance done in their crazy busy, busy schedules on orbit. There is an approach or a method or whatever you want to call it that can serve as a useful reminder for the different ways in which NASA helps our astronauts deal with the isolation and confinement on long space missions. And that reminder is called CONNECT. Of course, it's an acronym. It stands for Community, Openness, Networking, Needs, Expeditionary Mindset, Countermeasures, and finally, Training and Preparation. On today's episode, we're going to explore NASA's Connect method and how we can use what NASA does for our astronauts to find ways to connect in our own lives to combat the stresses that come with isolation. So joining me is Dr. Tom Williams, now three-time guest of the podcast, who is the element scientist for human factors and behavioral performance in the Human Research Program here at the Johnson Space Center. So here we go, using the NASA Connect method in our own lives with Dr. Tom Williams. Enjoy. T-minus five seconds and counting. Mark. Launch commit by circuit red. There she goes. Houston, we have a podcast. Dr. Tom Williams, thank you so much for returning to Houston. We have a podcast. Great. Thanks so much for having me back. It'll be a, a real pleasure for me to share some of these thoughts with you today. Absolutely. And it's, it's a very timely discussion, I think, that we're having. It's all about social isolation, something that I know I personally am very used to, and I think a lot of our listeners are as well. Um, and I'm very interested to talk about this because it's uh, not only something that is applied to human space spaceflight, but it's something that can be brought into our own lives here on Earth. And I'm very excited uh, to get right into it. Let's start, though, with uh, getting a good understanding of just what we're talking about here and why we have to implement this thing called the Connect Reminder. Uh, we'll get into that shortly, but first, sort of setting the scene on social isolation. What is, uh, Dr. Williams, what is social isolation? Well, thanks so much. And it's it's a really important topic, just as you said. All over the world, we're all dealing with this. Social isolation is really when we either voluntarily or intentionally withdraw from social contact with others. You know, with our astronauts, we volu they voluntarily agree to complete a long-duration mission and for many of us today, we're kind of struggling to maintain the social isolation that they volunteered to engage in. And so it's important that we kind of distinguish between being socially isolated 
and feeling lonely. Hmm, interesting. So let's let's dive into that. So what what are those feelings? Uh, give give us a little a little comparison on that. The the uh, what can come what the results from social isolation and uh, I guess how that compares to the traditional sense of loneliness. Yeah, great question. So when we think about being socially isolated, feeling socially isolated versus feeling lonely, kind of the social isolation is when we self-impose a withdrawal away from other people, or we do it as a result of being requested as we are now. And that's, unfortunately, when we withdraw, that's often viewed as a precursor to depression. People who become depressed, they don't want to be around other people. And as a consequence of that, loneliness is a common experience. You know, all of us get lonely from time to time, and but it's not always adversive. It becomes only adversive when we sort of self-exile and withdrawing from basically everything around us, and we no longer kind of confront the ways that through our day-to-day activities we grow. So when we withdraw, we tend to not foster our personal growth like we could. So loneliness really kind of sets up an activation of a set of complex feelings. And some of those result in negative feelings. And then the negative reactions we have can be perceived by those that care about us. They see us withdrawing. They get concerned about us. And we don't reach out as much. So it really starts to impact on our relationship with others, and it kind of doesn't allow us to meet our social needs. And that's why we get concerned and attentive to how we socially isolate and how that may set us up for loneliness. That's right. And and you've already gone through a few of those effects, what social isolation can do to a person. You've mentioned uh, depression, and you've mentioned this... uh, almost standoffishness from those that may try to connect with you uh, if you're trying to socially isolate. Are these sort of the symptoms of what can come from social isolation? They can indeed. You know, it's interesting that a 2018 national survey by Cigna Insurance, even before COVID hit, looked at 20,000 U.S. adults, and it really concluded loneliness is at an all-time high. And like 40% of all the survey participants reported that they sometimes or always feel that their relationships aren't as meaningful as they feel like they need to be, and they feel isolated. And what's really interesting is it really differed by age groups. Kind of surprisingly, we used to always think that our elderly were the most at risk. But what's interesting about this most recent survey is the fact that Gen Zers, the 18 to 22-year-olds and the millennials, the 23 to 37-year-olds, are really lonelier and really claim to be in worse health than our older generation. Now, social media use alone doesn't seem to be the predictor of the loneliness. It's not that they're turning into their devices and away from other people which is sort of interesting now when we think about the impact of COVID, where we are using technology more. But the students actually had higher loneliness scores than retirees did. Uh, And there didn't seem to be a big difference between men and women, and no differences, major differences between the races, so when it came to averaging. So it's really important that we look at, there are ways that we can be less lonely, 
and we can have those regular in-person interactions. And when we do that, there tends to be a good overall physical and mental health benefit. And when we find that balance, that's when we seem to do the best. I'm very curious to explore some of that, and I and I'm, and I'm love you diving into some of the uh, statistics there for something we can describe on Earth. I, w- I think what's fascinating about talking to you, Dr. Williams, is uh, this is something that we, we in the world of human spaceflight here at NASA relate to uh, very often. You know, this the whole world right now is experiencing this social isolation. Um, being told, you know, for the benefit of others that this is one of the better ways to stop the spread of the coronavirus, the novel coronavirus. But it is, it does have a lot of comparisons to human spaceflight. An astronaut uh, very much separated from everything he or she knows. Uh, Can you talk about some of the ways that social isolation that we're looking into, um, how it may affect or, or some of the or some of the symptoms and, and uh, I, I guess, adverse conditions that could come from an astronaut that is socially isolating? Oh, great question again. Thanks so much for that, because it really is. It's one of the reasons NASA has identified isolation as one of the five spaceflight hazards for a long-duration mission to Mars. We understand how being isolated from those you love, from society as a whole, can be stressful. And, and in fact, it's something that we spend a lot of time researching in different environments over extended periods of time. And what we do is we set up analogs, analogs that are focused on isolating the research participants, confining them within that analog setting. And we try to do this in an extreme environment so that the crews in those analogs can experience something close to the stressors that may be Uh, our crews are being exposed to on a long-duration space exploration mission. So we fund this research with scientists and other individuals who are typically doing winter overs in Antarctica, for example, for 12 or more months. And what we learn is that oftentimes there's something that's been described as a winter over syndrome. That's when the individuals start to withdraw from one another. They become more socially narrowing in their processes, so they kind of socially withdraw as the mission extends. That means they start to spend more time alone in their rooms. And of course, that would be difficult to achieve on a small spacecraft. And so then that could potentially create a tension. And if that tension is there, the irritability sometimes also increases with our research participants, somatic complaints, they get more aches and pains. And so if a crew member starts to have an increased medical complaint, they're too far from Earth to get any medical care that might that we might have here in Houston. So it really becomes something that we need to fully understand and better get a grip on in terms of how does this social isolation impact? Because as people become more socially isolated, they also become more territorial. When they put something down, they don't want somebody else to move it and they may complain more about feeling down or depressed. Sometimes they have problems concentrating and sometimes sleeping, and sometimes they report problems with memory. So you can start to see why it's so important for NASA to understand how this long-term isolation can impact on our crew. We don't know for sure if the same thing with our crew will be experienced, but we need to be ready to help them if they do experience this way. And I, I think that's fascinating point to, to zoom in on uh, 
is is not just the social isolation thing that maybe we can think of when you think about a single person uh, barricading themselves and isolating from from others. Um, the idea of isolating in groups. Uh, I know a lot of us are stuck at home with our with our families, whether it's a loved one, whether it's a it's a mother father figure, whether it's a wife or husband, and you know. It, adding in to the stresses of social isolating now you have to uh perform with this with your family with your crew the same that an astronaut would and the stresses of socially isolating being with just those people um there's a factor of how i guess you respond to those people you know a heightened sense of irritability it seems like there's a lot of parallels with the crews studying how isolation affects crews in all of these analogs um you know like the winter over uh, months for for Antarctic crews, astronauts, but even our own families. That's exactly right. That that's a huge factor, primarily because when you start to feel that disconnected, isolated, and alone, and you can be around people and feel somewhat isolated and alone, and so that social narrowing, that narrowing, that becoming more irritable, less patient oftentimes as a result of feeling kind of crowded, feeling like you've got, you're trying to balance multiple demands, multiple roles, like you're the office mate, you're the spouse, you're the mother, you're the father, you're the student. Multiple roles are now being demanded of you, and that's putting pressure on you to try to confront some of the ways to manage all those different stressors. And sometimes dealing with that stress kind of increases the potential risk of now not not kind of handling the uh, the responses to those situations effectively, which then adds more stress as tension starts to mount between you and the other members of your family or the group that you're isolating with. So that's why it becomes so important that we we understand that and be able to effectively deal with it. And you know every. Every time we get a delivery, I know more people are getting deliveries at home, but every time we get a delivery, there's some calculated risk that we're encountering. So it becomes important that we sort of look at it in the same way an astronaut going out on an EVA or a spacewalk. They're going out in a high-risk, hazardous environment. If we go out, we've got to take precautions. They get a lot of hundreds of hours of physical and mental training to do something, and they go out in a completely protective suit designed to protect them against the hazards. But taking actions in that suit in that hazardous environment is very demanding. It produces stress. It produces fatigue. They confront that. And we can all learn from that by doing kind of the mental check on our own gear as we get ready to go out the door to go get groceries or whatever we may need to do, taking those appropriate precautions. And that can decrease the stress of the environment that we currently find ourselves in. I'm loving the parallels here between um, astronauts in space and and what we're experiencing now in our own lives. And with this foundation set of understanding what social isolation is and how it can be affecting us, all of these parallels brings up this reminder, this this acronym called CONNECT. um, And it's something that I I believe we apply or at least have astronauts uh, have in the back of their mind as a reminder 
uh, to counteract some of these effects that could happen from isolation. So, so Tom, kind of introduce this for us. What is this reminder called Connect? Oh, thank you. Uh, Connect is, is sort of a mnemonic that we've coined to really try to pass on the lessons learned that we've used with astronauts for a long period of time. So it's not a formal NASA program, but it's just a good reminder of the seven different considerations that we can all take into account that may help us all better cope and adapt to the demands of social isolation. So it's an acronym that CONNECT, that C-O-N-N-E-C, kind of does a play on words. If we think of those seven things we can do, that helps us connect. And if we're feeling more connected, we're feeling less socially isolated. So it's just a useful reminder of actions we can consider and take. And like any good team member on a spacecraft, potentially use as a gentle reminder to others to consider taking when we see that we may need increased coping or they see we may need increased coping and it just gives us a potential stress reduction strategy so that's that's why we're using this as a useful reminder for ourselves and for others we care about in the same way crew would do the same team care on station wonderful now let's dive right into connect uh, addressing both the space-related and Earth-related applications at each step, starting with the first C. That's great. So community is a big one. That's kind of the foundation. We're all socially isolating now as a gesture to protect other members within our community. And in the same way, the crew will take steps to get trained up, and they're isolating to go out on an expedition to advance the reaches of space exploration. So they're heavily involved in the community. They're doing lots of public affairs events to stay connected with our community, to inspire students to become more focused on STEM, uh, the science, technology, uh, math components. And so we really focus on how do we link this increased reliance on a more limited contained environment to the fact that we're helping take care of our community as we do so. So we do that by taking a more positive approach. And the challenge for us is to become innovative in that new normal until we can do a re-entry, just like crew will come back to Earth from a space exploration mission. So when the virus clears, how do we prepare ourselves to come back to that more normal social interactions? So finding a way to focus on our isolation is a way that we advance the interest of our community. We protect our community, but we're still part of our community. And that that's the importance of why we're socially isolating. That becomes our C in the first letter of CONNECT. I love that. There's a there's a, a lot of themes within that first C within that community. There's this theme of positivity, um, looking for the positives, and and there's a there's also it, it, and correct me if I'm wrong here. It seems like there's a sense of purpose, and that purpose is is pulled gently away from the self, from from you, and that purpose is driven more towards the people that surround you, your community. So as you mentioned, the the 
purpose of you know wearing a mask in your community what you're doing there is your purpose is to prevent the spread of the coronavirus so if if you were to uh, be a silent carrier as 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 we're all learning is maybe the case uh, wearing that mask is is the purpose that drives you to to protect those around you that's such a great point and the other night we had a presentation on the overview effect, and one of the things that crew members will report on in seeing the Earth from space, they really had this sense of awe and a greater sense of connection to all of humankind on Earth. And that's a way that their experience in space really intensely connects them to the community below them. They don't see borders. They just see humankind. And that's a great example that you provided of how that represents that community with spaceflight and the need for us all to look how we're all in this together. And the actions each of us take promotes the interest of the others. It's very, very powerful, that, that sense of purpose. Now let's move on to the, to the next one, O. It stands for openness. Now, openness really tells us that we are in a challenging situation. We're being asked to do things we don't typically do. And so that really demands kind of a call for a greater openness to try new things, to be open to doing something other than what we've always tried to do. So it really helps us recognize the importance that we now have an increased reliance on each member of our team, our community and that we've got to be able to find ways to promote and actively seek ways to take on this challenge with hope and preparedness, just like we talked about with our crew. So we've got to accept the new normal, but that doesn't mean we just sit there and take it. We look for interesting, innovative ways, being more open to the possibilities. And that's really sort of what resiliency is for us. When we think about being more resilient, it means that we can appraise what's happening, we can take positive steps to cope with what's happening, and then we take steps to eliminate the sources of stress. And it's how it's really how we're thinking about it. You know, Henry Ford once said, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Meaning that how you think about the situation will often determine how you cope with the situation. So we really need to be open to the possibilities to how do we self-regulate in this environment so that we don't let stress get out of control. And resilience really kind of tells us we can find ways to positively adapt despite the significance of the adversity we might be encountering. And that gives us the ability to kind of bounce back to our pre-stress levels of functioning so that we can maintain a stable equilibrium in our life. And that's the self-regulating part. We spend a lot of time with crew training them on these techniques so that we can identify ways, regardless of the situation that arises, you've got resources and resiliency to contend with those, to meet the difficult, demanding situations. And that's what gets us to a more positive adaptation as we confront these stressors. So you talked about you talked about resilience as as one of those things that can be a stressor, and you talked about techniques that um, we can we and astronauts can can use to create a better sense of openness. What are those techniques? Well, and resilience is really a a good way. It's a way that we describe 
how someone positively adapts to a difficult situation. So one of the things that we do is to do resiliency training to give you processes on how to cope with different situations. One of those is mindfulness training. So being mindful of how something is impacting on you emotionally and then trying to do a self-assessment of why is it having this impact. So when we think about oftentimes someone says something a certain way and we might misinterpret it. So we got to kind of step back and do a reassessment of that and say, was there an intention there for someone to say it that way? You know, and one of the things that we know is that sometimes people get into conflict when they're in a more confined environment. And there's an old saying in psychology that good mental health is not the absence of conflict, but how you handle the conflict. And so when we are more open to finding more positive ways to adapt or handle conflict, there's always going to be the opportunity for a more positive outcome. And when we have more positive outcomes, that's less stressful. And that's what we need to stay open to, finding ways, innovative ways to be more adaptive, more positive about this experience. And that will help us all cope better. These, these, even just these first two, um, Dr. Williams, community and openness, seem like uh, positivity takes on this, uh, this, this forward theme for for both of them. And what I think what's what's very interesting is it's a lot about uh, nurturing that positivity, and in turn, nurturing that positivity creates a more positive environment. And it sounds like. Um, creating that positive environment is one of those powerful things that you can do uh, to reduce or possibly even eliminate some of the stressors that come with social isolation. You know, absolutely. And just relating that, just think of a long-duration mission, three years. And if you can't find ways to kind of maintain positive relationships among the small crew, that could be a long mission, you know, made longer by the sense of stress that would be produced. So that's where the team care and being mindful of how we relate to others, being kind of alert to what actions we're taking and how it may impact on others becomes so important at times like this and on long duration space exploration missions. Now let's move on to the next one. We've gone through CNO, community and openness. The next one is networking. And networking is so important. And this is one where, at its very core, it's how we really reach out with the ones we love, to family, to friends, and the importance of seeking kind of innovative ways to connect with them. So that can be through technology. That can be finding new ways to communicate with them. Because part of what the isolation does for us, it takes away that face-to-face opportunity So now the ability to network becomes important that we find ways to reach out. But what's really interesting about this is when you look at some of the research related to being happy, finding ways to connect to people near you that are happy increases your own sense of happiness, kind of related to the the point you helped us make on the, the more positive nature. So it's really important that we network, find ways to connect with those we love. And that may be challenging at times because maybe 
some of our older parents or grandparents may not have some of the same technological connections that we do, and they may feel that you, you may feel like you don't have as many ways to do that, but you can write. People are increasingly writing now while they're isolated. We also have to be mindful that some of us are more sensitive to the connections with others, also tend to be highly sensitive to the absence of those connections. So sometimes people just need those connections. And so we may find that some of our friends are reaching out more. And we're hesitant because in a social relationship, we may not want as much connection, but they may need it. And so being mindful that everybody's needs with connection may differ. And importantly, when our needs aren't met, that's when we find it more difficult to apply our coping skills. So that's where we have to be adaptive. And if we're not kind of meeting our, getting our coping skills met, that's when we sort of feel out of it. And that's when sometimes if someone reaches out and we don't reach back, that may lead to a perception of not feeling like we're worthy, that somehow because they didn't reach back in a timely way, that that's a testament to our own sense of worth in their eyes. And that's that's something we really want to avoid and, and get away from. And that takes us back to being open to the possibility that maybe something else, other demand has been placed on them and they don't have the time to respond immediately. When we're in social interactions, we can read those cues more effectively. When we're more isolated and trying to read it through the networking capabilities we have now, that becomes less able for us to do that. So those with high social skills usually are least likely to feel lonely or to feel socially isolated because they're going to reach out. So if we know we have friends that are that way, we'll expect them to reach out more. But it also tells us not to ignore those who don't have as many social skills. And certainly with our crews, understanding their natures, the the composition of the team that gets put together and finding ways to relate to one another, because the reality is we often contrast our own experiences with those we observe in others. So as we see people relating, as we see how they're relating to others, that helps us learn how to relate as well. And when we're isolated, we lose that opportunity. So that reinforces the importance of being attuned to the need to network, particularly with our family, friends, and those we care about, and those who may need that support. And we see all sorts of reports of that in the news where people are finding innovative ways to reach out. And I know I'm 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 the result of that too. I, I've been a part of many a Zoom call uh, to to a lot of family members and friends. Just one of those ways that you have to uh, that you have to connect uh, nowadays. And I'm interested to see how that relates to uh, astronauts. I guess now on the International Space Station, I'm sure it's going to be uh, a little bit more prominent as they go farther away. But what are some of those ways that astronauts are are using this networking method to uh, connect with others? Yeah, so that's they have a great opportunity uh, to reach down, calling their families. Uh, there are oftentimes. PAO events that allow them to connect, to network, to share the experiences of what they're doing 
which in many ways makes it more meaningful for them when they're able to relate what they're doing in space and help inspire and share the excitement with those of us here on Earth. And it, it also, from time to time, they're allowed to reach out to celebrities. And so calls are set up between them and a maybe a celebrity, a movie star or something uh, to share those experiences. So there's many different ways they network. And it's important for them and for their families to stay, to keep connected. And that, that, of course, is one of the concerns we have with long-duration missions, because we really see the importance of that networking and recognize with a long-duration mission there'll be communication delays because of the distance that the signal would have to travel. And how might that change the feeling of connection that you get when you network and so you, you get the message, but that message was 10 minutes ago or 20 minutes ago, and now your response will take another 20 minutes to get back to them. So how might that change that sense of connection? And those are important research areas that we have underway. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out without that conversational feel, that instant feedback that you get when you when you say something and somebody responds to it. Um, not being able to to have that, so so that's definitely one of those things that'll be very interesting. Um, let's move on to the next one. Next one is uh, another N, and it stands for needs. Yeah, our needs are so important at this at times like these because really the challenges and isolation sort of help us realize that we importantly have to attend to our physiological health, our emotional health, and the psychological needs that we have. So when we think about our physiological, emotional, and psychological needs, it's important that we understand if we don't attend to those needs, it starts to diminish our enjoyment of life. So if we're not eating right, if we're not getting enough rest, sleep, if we're not self-regulating some of the emotional reactions that we might have to some of the stressors, if we're not attending to those things that give us meaning and purpose in life, then that starts to cause us to be more controlled by the circumstances than to feel like we're in control of our settings and our environment. And that gives us not only a loss of a sense of isolation, but a loss of a sense of control. So attending to those physiological, emotional, and psychological needs become really important. And it, be, it helps us also recognize how we maintain control over our health and well-being of both ourselves and those we care about who may be either living with us or when we're networking with our friends, paying attention to how they're dealing with it. Now, like our crews, we train them in mindfulness, as we related to earlier, and that's to help them remain aware of how the experiences that they're having may impact on them and that gives them that sense of control that sense of purpose and if we don't do that if we're not attending to those experiences again that starts to diminish our our purpose our sense of well-being and it really actually results in a reduction in the enjoyment of life so the self-care becomes really important when we're isolated the self-care focused on not only ourselves but really being attuned, just like crew members are, 
to how the needs are being met by others, their other members of the crew. The team care is really, really important. And if you're noticing something about another member of the team, being mindful of how can you set conditions to make it more positive for them. And, you know, one one little thing we all can do that, you know, a great article in Health Psychology, a randomized trial, so really a good scientific approach, helped address even sitting upright in an upright seated posture helps us maintain self-esteem. And it reduces our negative mood and increases positive mood. So being attuned to our body posture, not allowing ourselves to slump as we sit at home trying to to continue doing our work, one small gesture can have a huge impact. And so it really helps us realize that with isolation, getting a personal sense of control helps us decrease that growing sense of the circumstances that tend to feel like they're beyond our control. And so it really, it's important that we find ways to kind of psychologically reframe our isolation and to help us recognize that we're really maintaining the isolation to actually maintain our control over our own health and well-being. And so reframing it and making sure that as we remain isolated, if we reframe it, we can have that greater sense of control. You know, and some people in isolation start to report having more vivid dreams. So I always like to remind people, you know, when when we're isolating to avoid becoming in contact with the virus, that gives us the free exercise of the emotional expression of our dreams. So someone who's healthy and in isolation can have a thousand dreams. While someone exposed to COVID-19 and, and you become sick with it, has but one dream, one goal, and that's to not become seriously ill or to cause someone else to become seriously ill. So it really becomes important to reframe the situation, meet our needs, and recognize as we're doing so, we're really, again, promoting our physical, emotional, and psychological needs because we don't want to live the rest of our lives with a sense of guilt on potentially contaminating someone else yeah there's like a, a there's a lot to this to this particular part of the reminder connect uh, uh, the needs I think I think another one what's what's interesting is um, you, you know you talked a lot about the the mental well-being and, and, and about others I think I think what's very interesting is just how important those physiological needs are just uh, keeping your body healthy um, you know things that can help you in a sense of social isolation can be eating right and, and getting enough sleep and and exercising all things that I think a lot of people are having trouble with as as gyms are either closed or very high-risk environments um, and and uh, you know we, we you start sacrificing things like sleep and and like uh, having some good food um, just making sure that you're attending to those very basic needs another great uh, reinforcement of that point because what one thing we see is a lot of people kind of going back to the openness and using the openness to meet these needs and that is people are innovatively finding ways to exercise where they live 
So they're creatively looking at different ways to do exactly as and the point you made, and that is to maintain that physical um, fitness and that component of arranging their environment to be more conducive to meeting their physiological, emotional, and psychological needs. And that's that's important that we remain open and creatively look for ways to do that to help ensure those needs are being met. Now, this next one is interesting. It's called Expeditionary Mindset. Now, what exactly is that? You know, this is a really important one, and it's really, you'll you'll see a number of the astronauts have commented on social isolation, and they really pull from an expeditionary skills model. So when we think about an expedition, we're thinking about you're now heading out, doing something, kind of a sense of adventure. There's a readiness to respond. You're learning from success of others. You're sharing the successes you have. You realize there's going to be challenges that are going to come your way. You take a lot of steps to kind of foster a sense of readiness to respond to whatever those challenges may be. You kind of use the challenge to create a sense of adventure, and you remain open to the challenges that you're going to confront. So that's really what has helped others who have engaged in historical expeditions. That's how they succeeded. They studied what did others confront how did they succeed? How do we prepare? What are the challenges we're confronting? How do we learn to address them with the limited or no help that we might have? And how do we continually hone our skill sets for doing so? That's kind of what we mean by an expeditionary mindset, that we don't say we're stuck in this environment and there's not much we can do. We say, look, this if we ad- adopt an expeditionary mindset, We approach it by saying, you know what, we realize that others are going through this. Others are learning from it. How can we capitalize on what they're doing? How can we build on that success? How do we build on our own success? What works? What doesn't work? How do we pull our family together? Kind of, again, getting the team activated so that we identify and respect the roles and responsibilities that each of us have for the success of the mission in the same way the crew would do. Each has a role and responsibility. How do we, how do we arrange our family, our others that we're living with, to make sure everyone feels worthy, they're contributing, and even in small ways, for the success of this expedition of social isolation mission that we're all engaged in? Now, I think what's interesting is, is you talk about expeditionary mindset, and, I, and I'm relating it to expeditions as we know them on the International Space Station, usually six months, sometimes a little bit longer, uh, Christina Cook being up there for uh, nearly a year, and then the same with Scott Kelly. I think what's um, different about the way that astronauts today approach their expedition missions on the space station is that there is an end date. And I think there are these expeditionary skills, and I wonder if there is a sort of ease with knowing that, or at least having a sense of when you're going to come back, and then things are going to return to sort of normal. So how can we how can we use this expeditionary mindset in a way that we are uncertain of the end date? 
Yeah, that is such an important point. And I think it's something that we're, we would all like to know. And I think, and sometimes with crew, sometimes they thought they had an end date and it gets extended due to orbital mechanics or due to just the scheduling. And so I think that they at times have had to confront sort of what we're confronting. And I know sometimes military members think that their deployment is going to end at a certain time and gets extended. So looking at some of those experiences, the importance is setting objectives to overcome how to get through particular set points in the duration. So we don't know when it's going to end, but how do we set objectives to say, in the next month, here's what I want to achieve? And so each month you can set new objectives knowing that these are steps within an overall mission. And we can pretty much imagine that there should be a vaccine available by next January, February. That's sort of the the mark on the wall for a lot of us, I think. And so setting objectives to overcome the challenges we're likely to confront. And importantly, the expeditionary mindset says, We've got to share our successes. What, what is it that we're doing that's helping us bide the time? You know, one of the things we do with crew is have them grow plants and trying to look at there's a, a cycle of plant growing that farmers have long used to kind of measure the time across the summer. So are there things that we can do, objectives that we set for ourselves, some people are trying to learn a new language. How do we reframe this to say, I I want to achieve this before it ends, and that gives you objectives, so you're now more focused on the objectives that you're working toward rather than the time? Because if we just focus on the time, that will seem like a longer time for it to get here. If we focus on things we can achieve as time passes – then that gives us something that keeps it more positive, more open, more creative, and it better meets our psychological needs. Now we've gone through a lot of the connect reminders so far, community openness, networking needs, and expeditionary mindset. The next C is countermeasures. Another really important one, because with our crew, we really focus on, we've identified spaceflight hazards. How do we develop countermeasures so that those hazards don't have a dramatic or an adverse impact on the crew? And in the same way, we need to think about countermeasures that we might engage or bring into our homes that would help us maintain a sense of control over how this social isolation is impacting on us. So the strategies to maintain that sense of connection with others is really what we're after here to reduce the sense of isolation. So I alluded to this a little earlier, where onboard International Space Station, sometimes we'll deliver care packages or arrange connections with family members via the communications network or have the, the communications with MCC, the Mission Control Center, during operational activities. So crew will be having social interactions as they're performing different tasks. So that tells us something. As as we're doing things, can we reach out to someone, someone who's always had a talent for getting something done at a, at a certain way? Can we Zoom with them or have some activity where we sustain a connection with them and then grow as a result of that connection? 
So that becomes a countermeasure to some of the stress. So how do we continue to direct our focus on engaging in some kind of activity with others that reduces the isolation? So that's part of a countermeasure, identifying ways to reduce our stress, to reduce the demands that we feel in the isolation. And so just like with our crew, we all need to be sensitive to how the isolation may impact on each of us differently. Each crew member has different capabilities. Each member of our family or each of our loved ones may have different abilities to deal with the social isolation. So it really becomes important, again, as we talked about earlier, to remain mindful of those differences and to be responsive to them in the way they need us to be. That's part of the countermeasures that we also train the crew on being mentally prepared for the isolation, having a mental acceptance that a period of time is going to pass while we have to be socially isolated, and then recognizing that different stressors are going to trigger potentially different coping strategies in us, and each of us may differ in how we deal with it. And so we may think the best way to deal with it is the way we're dealing with it, where another member of the family or the whoever we're living with is dealing with it differently and and we're wanting to try to make them change to our way, which it may be exactly meeting their needs at that point. I think what's uh, unique about this uh, COVID-19 situation that we're all in is um, you you talked a lot about understanding and and connecting with people and finding ways to do so uh, with a lot of folks that may have different needs. Uh, I think what's also challenging, especially in these times, is I guess we're recording this, what is it? It's, it's August now that we're recording this. I've, we've been in social isolation, at least at least I have, since since March. And I think what's so surprising about this whole thing is just how long this thing is going on. So not not only identifying and finding these ways to sustain the to have a connection and to find the right connections depending on the people that you want to connect with but what are those ways that we can make sure that we are sustaining these connections and we're regularly performing these practices without tiring out because I got to say sometimes sometimes I get pretty tired of these zoom calls sometimes I just want to call it quits but what can we do to make sure that we are we're we're hanging in there that we're hanging in the game for the long run yeah, what a great question that is. And, you know, one of the ways, and we sort of talked about this earlier with the being open and finding different ways to connect, but the best approach when you start to get tired is reframe it. To And reframing doesn't mean you're denying the facts. Reframing says, I'm going to use my openness and creativity to think of a different way of appreciating this to take advantage of the opportunity that it presents. So sometimes we don't think about isolation as giving us a potential for a healthy sense of renewal, a healthy sense of reflection, and greater insight into what we're like, into what those we care about are like, into how people deal with this. So we reframe it. We look for ways to take advantage of the opportunity and not just look for ways that it's impacting on us negatively. And then, importantly, kind of thinking about when we're using technology, it's not the same as a face-to-face, so therefore we may need to use shorter snippets of it. A five-hour Zoom call is not the same as sitting 
in your backyard for five hours with someone you care about and sharing stories. So there's a little extra demand that's placed on you, and so you fatigue more quickly. And it's always better to leave a communication where both are wanting more then one of the two parties is feeling like, gosh, we should have ended that an hour ago. So being alert to that and being mindful of it can really help because that's what we, we train our crews to increase and sustain their healthy connections with each other in isolation and with those back on Earth. And I think all of us probably can benefit from being alert to when we have a negative thought about something that may creep in and then counter those negative thoughts. And one way that might help is, like we do with crew, you journal. You use this time to journal, listing out the kind of the activities that you're engaged in, what did you find positive, what didn't you find so positive, and then purposefully try to find a more positive tilt to it, to look at ways that you can grow from it. And that, that actually helps stimulate your brain a little more to give you greater sensory stimulation because that's the other thing we have to worry about. You're, you're not getting as much stimulation when you're in the four walls all the time. If we went outside, we would see trees, we'd feel breeze, we would get multiple stimuli. Same thing has happened with crew. They're not getting as much stimulation. How do we find ways to stimulate you more? And that's, that's one way to reframe it, find positive ways to use what you can to put more context in it, like journaling, like being alert to those feelings you have. Well, Dr. Williams, we made it to the end. We're at the T now in the Connect Reminder. This one stands for training and preparation. And so training, and it really relates back to our being able to learn and grow from what we've been prepared to do. So when we select crew, we look for individuals who've demonstrated success in a variety of challenges because it's from those experiences where they have achieved psychological growth, where they've encountered different adversity and shown that they've got the resiliency, and they demonstrate to us that they've got a readiness for new and uncertain challenges that may lie ahead. That's what we need to do. Each of us have, we've all confronted different challenges in our past. We've learned from them. We've grown from them. And if we think about it, each one of those experiences helped us become better prepared for the next one, whether it's been a negative experience. If we've reframed it, we can look at any experience and try to bring some positivity out of it if we've grown from it in some way. Life is that way. We pull from all our previous experiences, from the training, from the growth, the preparation, that's where we have that adversity that presents in our life we can grow from. We draw from our inner strengths and from the inner strengths at times that others may provide. That's a good positive psychology approach. We think about what went well. How, did, how do we identify and activate the strengths that we have to confront the risk that's before us, in this case, the isolation? And then with someone that's helped us, Maybe they're reaching out to us and sharing a greater sense of control over the social isolation. How do we express our gratitude? One of the most powerful things in psychology we can do is someone who's had a positive impact on your life is to reach out to them. Maybe set up a Zoom call 
that is specific to say thank you, that the whole purpose of your connection is to say thank you. That is a powerful call. We've sometimes told people to make a special trip, write a letter, and then take a special trip to go read the letter in the presence of the person that you have gratitude for. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was someone who had a positive impact, a grandparent, a a father, a mother, a sister, brother, somebody who had a really positive impact on your life. Think of the power of that, the meaning, the purpose that gives you. That becomes a powerful way to take the preparation, the training that you've had from life, and to grow from it. So as we look at this, as we think about, we all share the danger that's prompting our social isolation. And when we humans share a common danger, if you think about after a storm, people tend to congregate out in the street, and there's greater connection, greater bonds that tend to draw people together. So we feel the danger that those type of disasters have prompted in the past, but we can't connect. The COVID threat creates the danger, but it also creates the risk that if we respond like we normally do to the humanness that need to connect, that becomes a danger. And that's a part of the tension that we face. And we we deal with it by learning to prepare and by seeing how others are prepared and trained to handle it. Life has trained us for these challenges, just like our crews on the space station. And we all can draw those lessons of our lives and the strength we feel from each other. And that's what that key really relates to us. And I think we're all hoping for you know, to learn a lot from this entire experience and then maintain that positivity through through this whole uh, thing and and then, of course, on the back end and 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 continuing to keep it going. that that is right there, dr. williams, the the connect reminder. Um, community openness, networking needs, expeditionary mindset, countermeasures, and then lastly, training and preparation. Taking a whole snapshot at this at this whole thing. Um, what does it really tell us about the impacts of social social isolation and what we have to do? to make sure that we are going to be okay uh, when this is all over with? I think it really tells us a couple of really important things. One, we really learn from each other. We are social animals. We draw strength from each other. And with these opportunities to learn and strengthen one another, we all perform better. And the isolation confronts that in our lives and we got to be innovative find ways to connect so that we don't lose that ability to learn from each other to draw strength from each other and to feel more connected so when we're all together it kind of really social activity promotes long-term health that's so important when we bring a sense of connection to our lives and we connect with other people we see that people who are more social tend to live longer. They're healthier. So we know that being socially isolated is going to impact on our mood, and it has health consequences. You know, so I made reference to this earlier, but our happiness really depends on the happiness of others with whom we're connected. So we become happy, and happy is happiness is really connected and linked to our health. It's sort of a, a collective phenomenon. 
and happiness spreads. When we're happy, it can spread to other people. If you have a friend who's happy, it increases your probability by 25% of being happy. This was a British medical journal study that really looked at how happiness spreads from person to person. And so if you have a next-door neighbor that's happy, that's 70% increase in probability. So it really helps if you're the happy person. You spread the happiness. You connect. You promote the health. We can't get together as, as we once did in the same ways, but we can certainly be together in different ways. And connect helps us remember to do that to have positive emotions, to be engaged, to focus on our relationships, to find meaning in those relationships, and to look for ways as a social team to achieve things just like we expect of our crew, to work towards some goal, to make things better. I absolutely love that. Not only surrounding yourself with with happy people, but ultimately becoming that champion of, of spreading happiness. What a wonderful thing uh, to be discussing. I want to end on this note. You, you, you ended uh, your thought on, on, the, on, the, on our crews, on, on the space studies. I think what's, what's really unique about this conversation is it's very, it's very um, relevant to all of our lives right now, uh, living in, 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 a, in a world of COVID-19. But a lot of the things that we're learning, a lot of the things that we're discussing are things that were pulled from human spaceflight. Can you end with the with the value of conducting these studies in space and, and of course, on the analogs in the ground and how important they are to understanding some of these concepts and bringing them into our own lives? Yeah, thank you for that opportunity. Because these studies that we do and the focus on the connect, like we've just shared, really helps reinforce the importance of our human connections, that it's important that we look at how the team that we will send on a long-duration space exploration mission, how they need to maintain the human connection with each other and with us back on Earth. And it's important that we find ways to foster those connections with them, between them, among them, and with us. And that when we share danger, we share a special bond. And we know that there's a tension now with that special bond because we want to get together and, and we're in that tension. So we pull this research from our analogs. We look at the isolation. We see the risk of becoming more socially narrowed and turning in. And that can be the reminder to reframe that, that tension that pulls us in, reframe it and reach out. Connect with others. Be that positive, happy neighbor, that happy friend, and spread your good psychological benefit to others and doing so they will spread it back to you what a fascinating enlightening and then truly inspirational conversation we've had today dr tom williams thank you so much for returning to houston we have a podcast one of our valued guests we have three-time three-time returnee i i very much appreciated having you on today thank you so much it was such a pleasure to share this with you and we hope it will help those who are out there feeling socially isolated reframe it in such a way that they take some something positive from this opportunity to share time with you today for us to connect. Ah, oh, for us to connect. Oh, got to make sure we sneak that in there, too. <laughs>
<laughs> connect during social isolation. Dr. Tom Williams, thank you so much. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Hey, thanks for sticking around. What a wonderful conversation we had today with Dr. Tom Williams. I hope you find the Connect method very useful in your own life. We have a lot more episodes of this podcast. Houston, we have a podcast. You can check us out at nasa.gov slash podcasts. There are a couple other podcasts here at NASA that you can check out at that website as well. Uh, This podcast, as well as many other resources, are available to you while you're at home in social isolation. If you'd like to check some of those out, you can go to nasa.gov slash nasa at home. A lot of resources there. You can check out some of the podcasts, some of the uh, education activities, and a whole bunch more. Uh, Make sure you go there. Again, nasa.gov slash nasa at home. You can talk to us on social media. We're on the NASA Johnson Space Center pages of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Use the hashtag AskNASA on your favorite platform to submit an idea to the show. Just make sure to mention it's for us at Houston. We have a podcast. This episode was recorded on August 21st, 2020. Thanks to Alex Perryman, Pat Ryan, Norm Moran, Belinda Polito, and Jennifer Hernandez. Thanks again to Dr. Tom Williams for coming on the show and for suggesting this topic today. Give us a rating and feedback on whatever platform you're listening to us on, and tell us what you think of the show. We'll be back next week.